Chapter Twelve of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve. Annie Beauchamp conceives a strong partiality for the eldest Miss Perkins. The acquaintance between Mrs. Major Allen Barnaby and Mrs. Colonel Beauchamp ripens into the warmest friendship annie was the first who succeeded in her quest for she found the spinster sisters sitting most disconsolately in the great saloon without even the semblance of an occupation unless the ceaseless fanning of miss matilda could be called such and by no means in a state of spirits to render any conversation they might have together soothing or consolatory to either party as far as the exciting kind feelings in the breast of miss beauchamp could be advantageous to them their palpable and evident forlornness was in their favour she looked at them both for a moment and felt that english or not they were thoroughly uncomfortable and forlorn and had they sat with a pedigree in their hands instead of a feather fan a pedigree proving them to be descended in a direct line from general washington she could not have smiled more sweetly as she stepped forward to address them i am afraid ladies you must find it very dull here she said seating herself opposite and about midway between the two the new orleans boarding-houses are not very famous for having many books and it's so hot here in the daytime that strangers hardly dare venture into the streets either to look for books or anything else but mamma and i have plenty upstairs in our own rooms and we shall be very happy to lend you some if you like it from the moment she entered miss matilda who had for many hours been meditating on the possibility of coaxing mrs beauchamp evidently the principal personage of the boarding-house set into presenting them to some of her new orleans friends changed her attitude of ill at ease indolence into one of fascinating animation and she immediately replied thank you a thousand times my dear miss beauchamp how excessively kind and amiable yes my dear miss beauchamp i do indeed long for a few of the elegant indulgences to which i have ever been accustomed in my own country our residence is quite at the west end and i am perfectly sure that you are sufficiently well informed to be aware miss beauchamp that in london nothing gives more decided fashion than that in short the fact is that though i have no doubt in the world but that in a short time we shall like your country and all the charming people in it excessively yet just at this moment that is just at first you know we do find it rather dull annie's only answer to this was a sort of acquiescent bow and turning her eyes from the elegant speaker she fixed them then almost by accident on the pale face of poor louisa that really worthy but very unfortunate person felt at the bottom of her heart that in securing her beloved sister from suicide she had given up everything in the shape of worldly comfort and enjoyment which had hitherto made her own life desirable and that sister was now looking so exceedingly ugly old and thin that miss louisa who watched her with all the tender solicitude of a mother was falling fast into a profound melancholy from the conviction that though the promise she had extorted from her as the price of her own consent to this unhappy expedition might secure her from self-slaughter it would not secure her from hating the life so preserved for as she gazed upon her long pale peevish face she felt most miserably certain that no gentleman on god's earth who was in his right senses would ever think of such a thing as marrying her when therefore annie beauchamp's eye fell upon her her quiet and usually tranquil features were somewhat agitated by the thoughts that had taken possession of her mind and her light grey eyes which were not very large had more tears in them than they could conveniently hold but when she caught the glance of the young american fixed upon her she made an effort to smile and said in an accent that spoke a good deal of gratitude indeed young lady you are very kind 
Annie immediately changed her seat for one that was close to her, and taking her hand, said cheerfully, Now then, Miss Perkins, tell me what sort of a book you like best. Shall it be grave or gay? English or American? Prose or verse? Any book, replied Miss Louisa, very considerably comforted at being addressed so kindly. Any book or newspaper in the world would certainly be greatly more agreeable than sitting with nothing at all to do of any sort or kind. But the greatest kindness of all would be to give us something that my sister Matilda would like to read. She is far greater reader than I am at all times, my pleasure being more in seeing that everything is tidy and comfortable at home. But poor Matilda is very fond of a novel, and if you chance to have a pretty love story that she never happened to meet with before, I do think it would go further to raise up her spirits than anything and if I could but see her looking a little happy again, it would quite set me up. Annie rose with the intention of immediately ransacking her little collection for love, but as far as her own feelings were concerned, it was greatly more for the sake of the elder sister than for the gratification of the younger. But Miss Matilda stopped her ere she reached the door, exclaiming, Oh, do not go, my dear Miss Beauchamp. A little of your delightful conversation will do me more good than all the novels in the world. My elder sister is one of the very best and most ladylike people in the world, I do assure you, though at present, of course, you see her to a disadvantage, so very little dressed as she is and all that, but though she is quite superior as to her fortune and station in life, and all those sort of advantages, yet I won't pretend that at her age she would be likely to enjoy a comfortable chat with a young person like you in the same way that I should do. I need not point out to you the difference there is between us in age. It is quite extraordinary, isn't it? a great many people won't believe that we are sisters but i was going to say if you happen to have a newspaper there is nothing in the world that louisa likes so well and then while she is poring over that you and i can talk miss beauchamp answered not a word to this and we have therefore no right perhaps to be less discreet concerning her feelings than she was herself but though she spoke not she bit her beautiful underlip severely and if she had been sufficiently imprudent to speak at all it would have been in a manner but little likely to assist the object confided to her by her mamma she appeared however to be entirely occupied by taking a thorn out of her finger and turned to the window in order to attain the degree of light necessary to this delicate operation and then after the delay of a moment she again turned to leave the room saying that she would return again in a moment what a kind sweet-tempered young thing said miss louisa as soon as the door was closed a very nice girl indeed replied her sister her eyes are rather too large and her hair too abundant and too dark to satisfy my ideas of perfect feminine beauty but nevertheless she is certainly very pretty-looking and most uncommonly agreeable considering she has never seen london nor even cheltenham or brighton i hope we shall become exceedingly intimate for i think we shall suit exactly i have got dreadfully tired of poor dear patty and that's the truth though of course i don't mean to let any of em find it out but upon my word it is enough to make anybody sick hearing her run on so everlasting about her husband and to tell you the truth louisa i am terribly afraid her husband begins to think so too for it is not once nor twice either that i have seen him yawn as if his jaws would crack when she has been kissing him and it is plain enough poor thing that she does not at all approve his taking so much notice of any one else for i have got some terrible sour looks from her on board ship when he has ventured to come where i was standing to watch the flying fish or anything of that kind away she was after him in a minute but i am sure she need not have been afraid for the very last thing i should ever think of doing would be encouraging the attentions of a friend's husband oh dear no i am sure you would not do any such thing as that matilda 
said her sister looking rather surprised and shocked at the suggestion but i can't say here she was interrupted by the return of annie with three thin volumes of unmistakable circulating library complexion in one hand and a grey tinted newspaper in the other setting the books down on a table by which she passed miss beauchamp approached the meek louisa with a newspaper i am afraid this will not entertain you so well as a london newspaper would do miss perkins but at least you will find one half-column down here that is all about england and you must not be angry if you do not find it very civil because our newspaper people think there is no opportunity of serving their own country at once so profitable and so cheap as by abusing yours this was said in a tone and spirit so very different from that in which a short hour or so before the same young lady had discoursed on the subject of england to mr egerton that any person hearing both may be well tempted to accuse her of inconsistency and really i know no defence for her save that she was a young lady a class which from long usage by this time grown into something like prescriptive privilege holds itself exempt from the necessity of always being of the same opinion i am very much obliged to you indeed said miss louisa receiving the odd-looking pages with a smile of genuine pleasure and gratitude it is so very kind of you to think about me and while annie stood beside her she turned her eyes to the paper and began reading it to show perhaps that she really did take a great interest in a newspaper the first and indeed as it seemed the only thing which particularly attracted her attention however on the present occasion was a succession of little dingy pictures one of which appeared to adorn every paragraph in the page which first happened to meet her eye what are all these little men running meant for said miss louisa looking up very innocently in the face of her new friend is it to make the newspaper look pretty annie laughed no miss perkins she replied neither the portraits or the originals of these running gentry are counted very pretty in the united states no these figures are intended for use not ornament they are placed there to call the attention of the reader to the advertisement which follows which is always about some runaway slave or other and is to give notice that any one who finds him or her for the ladies sometimes run as well as the gentlemen is to catch them and send them back to their owners miss louisa though as i have said a very worthy woman was not a very well-informed one and knew as little about the great transatlantic subject of negro slavery as most people nevertheless she had heard of such a thing and in a general way considered it like the rest of the european world men women and children to be something exceedingly atrocious and unchristian without the very slightest affectation therefore for there was no such thing in her she shuddered visibly as her beautiful companion uttered the above words and exclaimed involuntarily oh dear oh dear how very shocking that sounds miss beauchamp coloured slightly and turned away i have brought you some books ma'am she said addressing herself to matilda after the silence of a moment i am sorry i cannot stay with you any longer but i am obliged to be upstairs miss matilda began a flourishing speech about sorrow at losing her and gratitude for her books but before she had half finished the young lady had given them both a valedictory nod and disappeared the situation of both sisters was however essentially improved louisa had not only her newspaper to read which despite its melancholy pictures was a great deal better than nothing but she had also the great the very great consolation of seeing her sister look ten years younger and twenty times less discontented than before the fair annie had paid them her unexpected visit and before she had got three volumes of native manufactory concerning love and matrimony to read 
nor did these favourable symptoms altogether disappear even when she discovered that her book though exceedingly interesting was not without its faults the greatest of which in her eyes was the gross absurdity committed by the author in introducing his heroine as already in the perfection of beauty at the ridiculous age of sixteen this blunder so strongly affected her that she actually began to think aloud and exclaimed without any intention of consulting her sister on the subject what a pity to spoil the whole interest by such nonsense as that any rational person who knows anything of human nature must be constantly expecting to hear of her being whipped and put to bed for some childish naughtiness or other there is but one way of my finding any interest in the story i am quite sure and that way i shall take for it seems beautifully written and full of the most touching sentiments i shall just consider it a misprint and correct sixteen into six-and-twenty at the very least perhaps at the bottom of her heart might have lurked the thought that to produce the perfection of full-grown female sensibility another ten years might have been added with very manifest advantage to the interest and the truth of the story but notwithstanding these drawbacks of young love on the one hand and negro slavery on the other both the sisters felt themselves considerably better than they had done since they landed on the shores of the united states the position meanwhile of the real heroine of these pages was still more essentially improved at the same time that her daughter went to visit the miss perkinses mrs beauchamp by the aid of the black waiting-maid cleopatra sought and found the retreat of mrs allen barnaby the major having as usual wandered to a billiard-table his lady was left in undisturbed possession of her chamber and was employing herself at the moment her new friend entered in preparing for her important literary undertaking being in the act of writing down in a little black paper-book which she had just sewed up for the purpose the heads of various subjects to which she immediately intended to direct her attention nothing could exceed the pleasure she felt at seeing mrs beauchamp except what she expressed she immediately laid down her pen and hastening towards her performed a ceremonious curtsey while she frankly extended her hand which was intended to typify and express as it were all the stately dignity of the old world combined with the unsophisticated cordiality of the new i hope i don't break in upon you ma'am at a time that don't convene said mrs beauchamp i see that you are already got to your writing which agrees with what your good gentleman told me but now was the employment as was most likely to occupy you just at the present and for that very reason my dearest mrs beauchamp replied the animated mrs allen barnaby i am enchanted beyond what i am able to express at your having the excessive kindness to call on me it is here only mrs beauchamp in the retirement of my own apartment that such a visit can be duly appreciated i dare say my excellent husband major allen barnaby one of the best of men mrs beauchamp i dare say he may have ventured to hint to you that my purpose in coming to this most interesting of countries is in effect to do the very exact thing of which you were so eloquently speaking last night yes mrs allen barnaby he has indeed ma'am replied the visitor and i can't say but what i heard the news with very particular pleasure seeing that you are a lady so every way qualified to perform the work proposed with honour to yourself and satisfaction to those about whose concerns it is your intention to instruct the world and if you do this ma'am you will have the glory of achieving just what nobody else that has tried has ever been able to do yet if i should indeed be so happy replied mrs allen barnaby modestly casting her eyes upon the ground i feel sure that i shall owe it to you 
i certainly did come to this country solely for the purpose of writing upon it but i always felt even when most eager to undertake the task that i must fail as so many others have done before me unless i had the good fortune to form an acquaintance with some accomplished person of my own sex who should be induced to assist me by counsel and information such as of course none but a native can give and it is that very thought of yours ma'am i will venture to say that will certify your success replied her new friend it is just exactly what nobody has ever done before and it is for that very reason i expect that no traveller has ever yet produced a book upon the union that can justly be called fit to be read heaven grant that by your assistance i may avoid their errors cried mrs allen barnaby fervently casting her eyes towards the ceiling of the room i can safely say that no one ever undertook a task which caused greater anxiety or a more ardent desire of success there is no doubt of it mrs allen barnaby no doubt whatever of your success i mean nor of all the rewards in this world and the next which you will so well deserve to receive replied mrs beauchamp with an ardour which was considerably more sincere than that of her companion you will indeed have every advantage she resumed for not only will you see things without prejudice by being made to understand them really as they are but from having been in the habit of writing so much in the old country you must have got the knack of it as we say and will find the work come to your hand quite easy i expect yes my dear mrs beauchamp i have written a great deal replied mrs allen barnaby with a modest meditative air and though during several years of certainly very successful publication a feeling of timidity perhaps too long indulged has prevented my ever meeting the public face to face as i may call it under my real name i cannot now as you well observe feel any of the difficulties of a mere novice i shall on the contrary set about my task with that delightful sensation of confidence which conscious ability i believe always gives do not impute vanity to me my dear madam for my saying this but the fact is that it would be the most contemptible affectation were i to pretend ignorance of the admiration which my writings have produced i have never published anything i can truly say from the moment i first handled a pen without its meeting the most brilliant success and it would show a great want of common sense on my part were i to pretend now to fear that i should fail and with such a theme too it would indeed be folly for any one to suppose such a thing possible replied mrs beauchamp but yet i cannot help thinking she added after the meditation of a minute or two i cannot help thinking mrs allen barnaby that you might bring your work forward in a superior sort of style as i may say if you would just consent to put in the title page by the author of whatever previous works of yours have had the greatest success i really would strongly advise you to think again and again of this before you finally make up your mind against it do not mention the subject to me again i entreat of you mrs beauchamp returned the european lady with some slight display of impatience you know not to be sure it is impossible that you should know how eternally i have been i may say persecuted in england with the same request and having resisted the most earnest entreaties of persons of station even too high for me to venture to name can you really think that i ought to yield to any other 
i feel quite certain that when you have thought a little more about it mrs beauchamp and when you have brought yourself to recollect that there are in our country persons or at any rate one person whom it is by no means easy to refuse you will perceive and acknowledge the necessity of my continued reserve why as to that mrs allen barnaby returned the republican lady i have no great notion of any one person being such a vast long way before all the rest as you seem to make out and to say the truth i can't realize to myself the possibility of such an elegant smart woman as you are being chained up in that way as i may call it by any one why there's our president now he's first and foremost in course because it has been our will and pleasure to make him so but lord bless your soul mrs allen barnaby he might ask any one of us to do anything from july to eternity and it would never come into our heads to do it unless indeed for some profitable object of our own which is quite another thing and what all sensible men will calculate upon doing at all times but for giving way to him for any other reason he may march from washington very considerably east of sunrise before he will find anybody ready to do any such meanness however we won't talk any more about politics just at present and instead of it i want you to show me what you have jotted down there and mrs beauchamp with a little natural and national curiosity did just peep at the foolscap page which lay half filled in large characters after the manner of a list before mrs allen barnaby that lady's m s however was not as it seemed yet ready for examination for with a good deal of dignified mystery she laid a blank sheet over that upon which she had written and said not yet dearest mrs beauchamp not yet if you please though this very paper which i now conceal is written expressly that i may communicate it to you but as yet i am not fully prepared to do it it will contain when filled up a list of questions to be addressed to yourself on the particular themes that i shall consider it most necessary to touch upon in the course of my work and may i not hope that you will kindly condescend to answer them and that's just what my very heart is longing and burning to do replied mrs beauchamp her handsome face in a glow of patriotic excitement and i do hope it won't be long before you are ready to begin if any immediate arrangements for our being a good deal together can be made my dearest lady i should be ready to begin our important consultations directly in short the major has promised to bring me home several whole quires of paper to-day besides a large quantity of pens and a bottle of ink so you may see my dear madam from my giving him such a commission that i have no intention to delay the business however i charged him to buy the paper at different shops for fear of creating suspicion of what i was about i always took the same precaution in london when i began a new work dear me did you really how very cautious and then her curiosity whetted anew by this allusion to mystery mrs beauchamp once more ventured to return to the forbidden subject and added do now just tell me the name of the least and littlest of all your books mrs allen barnaby coloured violently through her rouge and for a moment felt convinced that the interesting history of her anonymous fame was suspected but when she ventured to look again at the animated countenance of mrs beauchamp she perceived with the greatest possible satisfaction that she was altogether mistaken 
nothing was to be seen there but the most respectful admiration excepting indeed that little imp-like sparkle of curiosity which peeped out of her eyes and which under the circumstances would certainly have been pardonable in any daughter of eve but in a transatlantic one the want of it would have been nothing less than unnatural mrs allen barnaby therefore again rallied her spirits and played off with great ability the part of an embarrassed and somewhat agitated incognita to whom the removal of the veil would be excessively distressing while the preserving it was exceedingly difficult at length the scene reached its climax by her putting her handkerchief to her eyes and exclaiming spare me my dearest mrs beauchamp spare me the time shall come when i will have no reserves with you but your own admirable judgment must tell you that just at this moment when my nerves are naturally shaken by the contemplation of an undertaking which i feel to be almost awfully important there would be great weakness in my suffering my spirits to be agitated by my making a disclosure which i am well aware would at once bring me upon the eyes of all america as well as of all europe i implore you therefore for the present to make no further allusion to my former writings but rather let us employ the precious minutes with which you favour me by arranging how i can in the most effectual manner be thrown into the circle among which you usually live in order to catch as much as possible your views and opinions upon all subjects well then returned mrs beauchamp with the most perfect good-humour i expect i won't plague you one bit more at present as you say about the works that have made your false name so celebrated not but what i give one of my fingers to know what the name was however we will say no more about it now and instead of it i will tell you what my scheme is for our passing as much time together as possible i calculate in course mrs allen barnaby that your plan in writing upon the union is to travel through all the most celebrated and wonderful parts of it most assuredly replied the authoress with decision well then my plan is to travel too returned mrs beauchamp because then you know as the things come in all their glory before our eyes i can explain them to you and make you realize their particular excellence at the first blush as i may say what do you say to that plan mrs allen barnaby that it is the most admirable the most perfect the most inconceivably kind that could possibly have entered your head and that so inspired i must be dull indeed if i fail but what does the colonel and your beautiful daughter say to it my dear mrs beauchamp oh annie is delighted she has long been dying for a travelling frolic and she undertakes to do the honours to your friends which will leave us to our studies you know as to the colonel to say the truth i have not yet mentioned the subject to him but he is i do expect the very best man alive and i am sure he will make no objection provided the major can smoke a cigar and play a game of piquet can he mrs allen barnaby the major is very fond of smoking replied our heroine and i rather think too she added gently that he now and then likes a game at piquet well then i will answer for all the rest resumed the energetic mrs beauchamp her patriotic ardour animating her even to her fingers ends which were already itching as she said to be at her packing the colonel will be back in a few minutes to take his morning iced julep and then i will tell him all about it mrs beauchamp was by no means talking without her host when she said that if the major smoked cigars and played piquet she could answer for all the rest 
of course she was too clever a woman not to know how to set the thing properly before the eyes of her husband she said little or nothing to him concerning her project of redeeming the reputation of the united states and undoing all the mischief which former travellers had perpetrated against this rudely treated portion of the earth's service by taking the pen of mrs allen barnaby under her especial influence and control she said little or nothing of all this because she knew that although her husband was as a matter of course an excellent patriot what american is not yet nevertheless the sluggish circulation of his blood which without greatly injuring his bodily health had reduced his mental energies very nearly to the condition of those of a dormouse prevented his greatly enjoying any long discussions on the subject what she chiefly dwelt upon therefore was the great delight which his darling annie would enjoy from travelling in the society of this very distinguished english party and also the providential circumstance of their meeting with a gentleman who could both smoke cigars and play piquet and thus render the performance of his long-given promise of taking his daughter about a little a matter of pleasure instead of annoyance very well my dear was the colonel's first answer manage it just as you like if it's a good boat i shall be quite ready to start End of chapter twelve